Hello and welcome to Property Mastermind Podcast with Hilary Saxton, episode 66. Today, how do I structure a joint venture with a landowner? Whew, heavy stuff. This is going to be great. Lots of learning, lots of great information. So join me on the inside where Bob Anderson and I talk about how do you, how do I structure a joint venture with a landowner? Let's jump in. Hi and welcome to episode 66, How Do I Structure a Joint Venture with a Landowner? I'm your host Hilary Saxton, again this week I have the amazing Bob Anderson with me. I have to say, if you don't know Bob, you must have been under a rock, but I do know we've uh, had quite a lot of people letting us know that they're subscribing and following us now, which is fabulous, so we know we're putting out great content. If you know somebody that would like to, you think might like listening to us, forward them the link so they know and hear about us. And also, remember to subscribe to our YouTube channel. That's great. That helps more people get to know the great content that we're putting out. But anyway, before we get started, giving away, again, a copy of this book, Property Millionaires Exposed. Remember to go straight to page 121. That's Bob's chapter on property development. But this week, it goes to Craig Brown. Craig, thanks for subscribing to our YouTube channel. You'll just need to email me, hilary at propertymastermind.com.au, and I will need your address and post it out to you. So... Before we get started on how do I structure a joint venture with a landowner, Bob? Yes. I'd what? like to thank you for joining me. Oh, you don't have to, but <laughs> nice to be here. Thanks. We're recording this early, nice and early on a, on a Monday morning. It comes out Thursday, so we're up with the sparrows today. Yep. All looking fresh for a Monday. Yeah, we are. Yeah. I like getting up early. Oh, same. Now that's warming up. Yes, we were struggling over winter. But we live in Queensland. I think that's a bit ridiculous. Well, it got me like 20 once or twice there. Oh, no. There were some mornings that it was around 11. It's actually <laughs> very hard to get out of bed. Ugh. But you have to realise that I am from New Zealand. Uh, obviously, you would understand my accent. And yeah, I'm used to cold mornings. Hmm. I'm not. No. Gosh, no. But I must also say that I'm big on rituals, daily rituals. So getting up early and um, just doing those those good morning rituals that we both do, uh, that we do together a lot of the time, makes a big difference to your day. So if you're interested in learning more about that, reach out and let me know. And perhaps we could do a podcast on that yeah, sets you up be to being successful in life. And success in life is about achieving what you want. And if it's property development, well, then that's the go. In the right place. We're in the right place. So, Bob, but before we get started, mm. um, this week that was this was your idea of, of the 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 podcast. So, what was what was the reason you came up with, or why why did you come up with? You know, how do I structure a joint venture with a landowner? Well, it's one of my favourite creative strategies, mm-hmm. uh, and it's one I've done quite a lot of and doing at the moment. Mm. In fact, uh, we've got a, uh, a meeting in about mm, probably four or five weeks uh, with the board, the board of an organisation that owns land that can be developed. And we've been talking to them for about 12 months now, uh, to working towards a joint venture with them as the landowner. So it's always on my mind. It's something I... I like to look out for, and it's a great creative strategy because it can give you a development without putting in any money. 
if yeah. it's in, in some cases, yeah. And, and you know what you just brought up then that I don't know if, if, if we'll end up discussing or if it was in the in the podcast plan. We've got a few notes in front of us, but you mentioned the words have been in discussion for quite a long time. And I think that that's something that as property developers, we want to get onto the next deal. We, you know, we're rushing to do it, but sometimes things take time. And especially in the scenario you're speaking where it's probably a substantial development. Well, it is a substantial development and those things don't just happen overnight. No, but the good thing is, you know, you're not relying on that. You're not sort of hanging out for that one development. No. Uh, as I said, we've been advancing it with the the owners and now it's up to a board meeting. But that's been happening in the background. Mm. So, well, yeah, it has been happening for about a year, but, but it's just something that happens in the background. Weeks and weeks and weeks and weeks go past where nothing happens and then it's just a, another little advancement. So it's, it's reached a quite a good point, really, where they've, I think, mentally made up their mind they want to do a joint venture. Mm. And now it's just down to the, the nitty-gritty, the nuts and the bolts of it, uh, hence the, the board meeting. So, yeah, that, those things can tick away in the background and you can have a couple of opportunities sort of ticking away in the background mm. while, you're, while you're doing other things. But, you know, they can just pop up and suddenly happen. Sometimes you can do a deal really fast too. Mm. Do you know, as I hear you say that, it, it reminds me, because I often have an idea for a, a podcast around a question that one of my clients or one of our clients, one of the mentoring students has, and I think, if, some, if they think that, then, you know, obviously with them I go sort of nitty-gritty and take it right through, but I think it's a concept or it's an issue that a lot of people have. And when you say that, you, you know, we often are, de- are dealing with with developments ourselves that are, are large, they're big, but our – so, you know, Bob's building a retirement village right now, and that's, you know, that's 99 properties on one property with, with numerous joint ventures and capital raising, and it's huge, but – the students or the mentoring people that we work with one-on-one are doing exactly the same thing, but in a smaller way. Mm. So it's exactly the same. So we get to we sort of work yeah. at, at yeah. the grassroots level and then at, at a bigger level. But the, the, the issues or the things you're yeah, dealing the with principles are, the same. are all the same. Absolutely. And it reminds me of Connie. I'm going to say her name because oh. I'm going to get her on this podcast. But she reminds me a lot of you, Bob. She's always got the next deal like looking at it they're not always coming off but a lot of them do and she's doing such an amazing job and I love seeing somebody who I see her replicating you a lot of the time yeah yeah well that's why I like Connie so much (laughs) she's amazing yeah we'll get you on here yet Connie we will we've got to get her on yeah I've been trying no you will (sighs) evades it it's uh it's a bit like the the joint venture I'm talking about at the moment you know chugging away in the background, chipping away. You've been chipping away at Connie. She will. She will succumb. She'll get there. All righty. Anyway, Bob, I'll let you kick this one off as it's your your topic and one of your favourites. I mean, if you think about it, there's a lot of land out there that has development potential that's not developed. There's plenty of it out there. It's usually owned by just normal people. Yeah. And they assume, I assume they know it could be developed, but they usually don't. You know, they, they don't do our property development course. They don't understand property development. It probably sounds, you know, very foreign to them. It might sound uh, risky to them. They don't have the knowledge. They don't have the time. And often they think they don't have the money, although what they often don't realise is there's a lot of money sitting in that land in the form of equity. And so these people you know, eventually sell their property. And who do you think is going to buy it? 
Wow. It's got development potential. <laughs> Could I put my hand up on it? <laughs> 101. Is it a property developer? Oh, yes. I didn't yeah, think you'd get that. So smart. Yeah. And and property developer buys their property, goes on and develops it. I mean, quite often. And I mean, I've spoken to these people later on. And they say, oh, wish I hadn't sold it. A developer went on and made all that money. And I could have, but I didn't know what to do. And sometimes we meet people in our program who have actually sold sites in the past because they didn't know what to do. And mm. now, now that they do know what to do, they're regretting it. But you can't look backwards. But, you know, that's what happens out there. And there's a certain amount of landowners who, if given the opportunity, would develop that land. Mm. Not all of them. Some of them are just like 100% risk adverse and they'll just sell and that's fine. I, I'm, I'm glad they do that because, mm. uh, you know, we're always out there looking for a good deal. But some of them... Uh, probably those are a little bit more entrepreneurial than others. Uh, if given the opportunity to develop, it would, and, and that's where the opportunity comes from our from our side of the fence, being property developers, to offer what what I'll call a joint venture with that landowner. A little bit later, I might just actually uh, make the comment that it's not technically a joint venture, but let's just call it that for the time being, because mm. joint meaning you know, let's say two, two, and it's a venture. It's fun. It's an adventure, uh, but it's a venture to make money. And uh, so, yeah, look, there's there's lots of lots of land out there with development potential. In fact, yesterday, Bob, remember I was, I was spending my... I know. <laughs> you were out sunbaking, I yeah, think, I when you took a call on a Sunday afternoon. I was. So I was the phone's always closed by. Generally, it is. Uh, I was listening to something. But anyway, I got a call from somebody. I was uh, truly lying outside. In you the were. You're, you're near the pool and I heard your phone go off. And this lady... I don't know how, well, she's Googled something and somehow got a hold of us and rang, but she had some land that she wanted to sell that she knew had development potential and she asked me what I thought it was worth. Like, how would I know what it's worth? There's a, there are a lot that goes into that conversation. But I think I did ask her if she had how much equity mm. she had or did it have, was it, mm. you know, was it unencumbered, did it have no debt on all it? The, all the right sort of questions that potentially leading up to a joint venture. Yes, because I, if, if not for, you know, somebody or us, but I would know somebody who would be interested in something mm. like that. And it, it's interesting because she rang wanting that information without knowing that that's what she was after. Yeah. That was an interesting conversation. Just yeah. a call out of the blue about this, really. yeah. yeah. Well, she didn't ring a real estate agent, which was probably a good thing. Yes. Uh, she rang somebody in the development world because she knew it was a potential development. It's an existing business on land, mm. you, you, the way you described it to me. I actually emailed it. She sent me a link about it. I emailed it to you. Okay, yeah. <laughs> Check it out. Haven't checked it out no. yet. <laughs> yeah, but that, I mean, that, that's an opportunity can come out of left field. You just never know. I mean, there's proactive things you can do to source these sorts of deals. Mm. But they can pop up anywhere, anytime. They could pop up at a barbecue. When I think of the joint ventures with landowners I've done over the years and, and how I've actually met the landowner, it wasn't always, you know, me going door knocking or sending letters. Or, and you can do all that. It's often been, you know, what I'd say out of left field. Mm. You know, it could be at an event. It could be could be at a barbecue. It could be, could be anywhere. I probably, you, you know those people, bit of a stutter there, but you know those people that have a piece of land that has potential, have a property with potential, hmm. very often if they don't know what to do, they probably wouldn't be at a property event because they would know what to do. It's probably more likely what you're saying. It's at the mm. barbecue. It's having those conversations. Just yeah. when you, people that are interested in property. Or, or, or an intro introduction through a third party. Yes, 
Uh, somebody like, um, well, who? Um, broker, a finance broker? Yes. Yeah, they might have a client who's got land with development potential that they could introduce you to. And even, not to that extent, even just a flippant conversation you're having with somebody and they say, oh, yeah, my cousin's got something or my yeah. sister or my neighbour, and you think, oh, okay, that's worth that's worth a chat. Yeah, certainly. You know, yeah, so, so you never know where they're going to pop up. No. Uh, so let's talk a little bit more about how, how you might pull one together. Okay. Because like any sort of, we'll call it a joint venture at the moment, it needs to be a win-win. Both, both parties have to win. Yes. So in regards to the landowner, their, their win comes from having their land developed and making a development profit, or at least a percentage of a development profit, and from the other side of the fence, developers, well, what's in it for us? How is our win? Well, we've got a property that we can develop. And depending on a couple of circumstances, we may be able to develop it with no money at all, or at least a lot less money than if we were to purchase it outright. Mm-hmm. And so it's always that win-win that we're looking for yeah. in, any, in any form of joint venture. But that sort of rolls on to, well... What do we need as far as the land goes or the owner of the land goes in order to do this sort of deal? So what we're doing here is when we do a property development, we have to put in some equity. The banks or the financiers don't lend 100% of everything. So we have to put some money on the table. We call that equity. Now, quite often that equity is cash, but it doesn't have to be. It could be equity held in land. And that's what we're talking about here. So if there was enough equity in the site, in the land, to supply the required equity for the finance, then that's all you need. The financier would simply take a registered first mortgage over the land, as they always do. There's enough equity sitting in there, and so they'd lend the rest of the money. So equity doesn't have to be cash. It can be equity in land. And that's why we've talked called this joint venture with a landowner. So the landowner's Mm. portion of this could just be their land. Yeah, but the important thing is they need little debt or no debt on the land. Yeah, it's a a little bit, Bob, does that cause second mortgage issues? or No, no, a little bit's okay. Um, Well, it just depends on what you're developing. So if you're developing something like townhouses or, uh, let's say, land subdivision, uh, it, it can often carry a little bit of debt but still be all that you need. Mm. Something like apartments, not not normally because the land content in an apartment development is a lot lower than the land content in townhouses or or, uh, or land subdivisions. Just for those, just to clarify that for those, I know you say stuff and it sounds simple, it's because they're going upward. So they're not using a, a flat amount, a lot of land. There's less land involved in apartments. There is le- less land and the value of the land component. The, the land component as a percentage of costs mm. is lower on apartments. It might be around 20 or 22% of your costs, whereas the land component in townhouses or a subdivision could be 30 or 35%. So if a bank says you have to put in 30% equity and the land is owned outright with no debt, then you know if, if it's a townhouse or a subdivision, there's probably already more than the 30%. But if it was an apartment building where let's say the land content's about 22%, even owning the land outright isn't necessarily enough equity. There might still be a bit of a tip in. Mm. That's what I meant by that. So that's one of the things, little or, or no debt on the land. And the other requirement is that the uh, the landowner 
needs to become part of the deal. They can't just, uh, you know, put the land up as security and be not a part of it. They'll, they'll at least have to be a guarantor on the loan. Mm-hmm. But they've got to do something to make all that extra money, you know, from the profit. So those two requirements, little or no debt on the land and the, the owner willing to get involved mm. to, to a certain extent in the project. That's what we need to make a deal work. When you say involved, Bob, what do you what what are you I know you just Well typically they don't they're not involved in managing the project Paperwork in doing involved. anything. Well, from a finance point of view, mm. the financier because what we're doing here, we're putting the land up as security to the financier and that's and, and that will you know, hopefully supply all the equity and then the financier will end the balance mm. to to do all the construction and so forth that's what we want that way as a developer we don't put money in the equity is actually sitting in the land so so just in summary what we need to make this uh, joint venture with the landowner work is we need equity or little or no debt on the land and when we're talking about the involvement of the landowner it's in the finance uh, they'll need to be a guarantor on the loan. They don't have to be the borrower. The developer can be the borrower. But there needs to be some sort of connection from the financier's perspective uh, between the land and the owner. Remember, this is the land is being put up as security to borrow against, but the land is owned by the landowner, who is mm. not necessarily the borrower. And that's okay. That's called a third-party mortgage. These things happen all day, every day. So that's the two requirements that we need to make this thing work. And uh, it, might, it might, be a, might be an opportunity to talk about the so-called joint venture because we use the term joint venture, as I said earlier. Uh, loosely. To, loosely. We use it loosely. The land stays in the name of the landowner. So this has got a bit to do with the structure. I've seen some people uh, contemplate setting up a new entity, uh, you know, whatever that entity happens to be, whether it's a company or a company with a trust behind, you know, or a trust with a company behind, either way, uh, and the landowner and the developer both become, you know, let's say, directors. Wouldn't that trigger that stamp duty and stuff? Well, it does. Yeah. Yeah, and that's why you don't want to go down that path mm. because not only would it trigger stamp duty because taking the land out of one entity into another, oh, but it, capital gains, gains tax, tax potentially, yes. and and that would depend a bit on. And this is not tax advice, but obviously it would depend a bit on whether that property is an investment owned by the landowner or whether it's a principal place of residence. Mm. And so the idea is, and, and this is how it typically works, and, and I should say, whenever you're looking at doing something like this, get advice. I was just going to say that. Perfect timing. Mm. It's just vital that you have the right advice. And that's something that we get a lot, Bob. People don't. They get started on a development or it's the PPR and then mm. they just don't get advice on how to set no. the structure up. You need to talk to a tax accountant, a specialist in this area. And, it's, mm. you know, we might think, oh, it's going to cost me money. Trust me, it will oh. save you money. Yeah, don't think about that. Yeah. Uh, yeah, so an expert, an accountant, if you like, a property accountant. Someone is, is well experienced in property development mm. structures, business structures, tax structures to advise you on it uh, from the developer's point of view. But also the landowner will need to get their own personal advice mm. because, you know, as I said, it could be an investment property, it could be a PPR. They need to understand their tax position coming into this development. So as a developer pulling this together, it's not really our concern, their tax position, 
but they will need to know their tax position, which could have some effect on the actual structure of the joint venture. I'm keeping it pretty simple. Yes. You know, just explaining in general terms how these work. Uh, But at the end of the day, there needs to be personal advice. The landowner needs to get that and he pays for that. That's theirs, he or she. But there needs to be, uh, if you like, the project advice for the best structure. And and nearly always it'll, it'll remain in the in the landowner's name and dealt with that way. So that way we're not triggering capital gains tax uh, potentially and or stamp duty. Yeah. Yeah. So because of that, there needs to be a joint venture agreement between the developer and the landowner. And this is why it's technically not a joint venture. The, the word joint venture can have many meanings. Uh, the, the Australian Tax Office, for instance, has a definition of a joint venture. Oh, seriously? Do you is, know it? I know the bones of it. Oh, my gosh. It, it's what we call Hang on, it. let's dial into Google. Oh, yeah. well, we won't get too, no, too far down there. But, but no, it, it, it's what amazing. you might call a pure joint venture, mm. where two parties come together equally to share the responsibilities, to share the cost, to share the profits. And, and we generally don't do joint ventures like that, really, no. in property development. We're joint ventures with a... You know, with an equity partner, we're doing joint ventures with a loan partner, we're doing joint ventures with a landowner. It's not all equal and people aren't doing the same work no. and all that sort of thing. So, But then, you know, joint ventures have other meanings outside of what the, the ATO defines it as as well, and, and that's typical. But with this case here, we don't want to call it a, a joint venture. It's, it's basically a project management agreement between the developer and the landowner whereby the developer in that agreement... Uh, develops the land on behalf of the landowner and gets paid a fee for doing it. And I say the word fee and I didn't say the word profit share and I did that intentionally. How you calculate that fee might be based on profit share. For instance, a common one is 50% profit share. So what happens typically in these sorts of arrangements, the land stays in the landowner's name there's a project management agreement between the developer and the landowner and and the developer does the project management, pulls it all together, makes it happen and at the other end, of course, let's say everything's sold and you end up with a profit. So what happens at the other end? The first settlements to go through pay back the financier as they always do. The next lot of settlements pay the pre-agreed price for the land. So part of this joint venture is that both parties would have to agree on what the land is worth at the time the joint venture is struck. It may have no approvals. Well, okay, it's that's what it's valued at. Bob, at is that agreement, instance. is that based on anything or that is just an agreement they come to and it's written down somewhere? Oh, it's very much a written down agreement. Yep. And, and that's why, you, firstly, you need to know the tax structure, but then you would get Uh, an experienced lawyer to draw up the joint venture agreement. But you need to know the tax structure first. So what you would properly do is get advice on the tax structure. Once that's set, that tax structure is then given to the lawyer and the lawyer will draw up the project management agreement or the development management agreement, same thing. And uh, and so, as I was saying, at settlement time, financier gets their money first the next settlements to happen would pay back that pre-agreed land value that yep. went into the joint venture, and that's all pre-agreed. And, and then, then... Well, the rest of it's profit. Yes. And and so that profit, let's say the agreement was we'll share the, the profit 50-50. This is important. Well, in the project management agreement, like any project management agreement, there'll be a section there of how much the project manager gets paid, when they get paid, all that sort of thing. 
And although it might, might be based on a percentage of the net profits, uh, it's best, I've been told, not to use that term. Because when you start talking about profit share like that, it can create a partnership by law, I've been told. This, none of this is advice, of course. And, uh, it's a very good and advice. And you don't though. necessarily want to be in partnership. I mean, part- very good chat. <laughs> you don't necessarily want to be in partnership with somebody that you don't really know because there's certain legal obligations that can fall uh, within a partnership, which is not necessarily what you want. And therefore, what you do is the project management fees, uh, there'll be a formula for calculating it. And the formula could simply be project management fees equal to 50% of the net profit. That is different from saying the project management fee is 50% of the net profit. Mm. It's calculated as that. So it's a fee. This is the important thing. You're not getting paid. The project manager's not getting paid profit, profit share. They're getting get paid, paid a, fee. a fee. Yeah. Yep. And that supposedly gets rid of that uh, potential partnership situation that you don't necessarily want to be in. Potential but risk. I can tell you there's a lot of law and there's a lot of tax around that whole thing. And I'm, I'm not the expert on that. Uh, certain high-level uh, accountants and lawyers are best to deal with that because it can get a little bit tricky. Uh, and even in the area like the land, is it owner-occupied, is it an investment property, all these things. There's, there's, there's a lot of moving parts in there, but I'm trying to keep it simple in principle anyway to mm. explain how it works. The good thing is there's always the experts mm. that can, that can you know, work out that detail for you. And I think it's also important to realise that just because somebody is a great accountant doesn't mean they're a great property accountant just because they're a great lawyer doesn't mean they're a great property lawyer and engaging the the right expert just because they have that title behind them doesn't mean they're they're great at that so I I think that's quite important because I think in other ways not even I think I do know in other ways with working with uh, people and with property people that they do stumble across and we mentioned this a couple of podcasts ago where the landowner goes and chats to their lawyer who isn't a property lawyer and just squashes the deal because they are Well, it's the easiest anti- things to say no. Oh, yeah, because then they're not at any fault. But really, we'd already established at the beginning, we're going for a win-win situation where everybody mm. comes out on top. It's a, it's a great, it's an opportunity and it's a great opportunity and sometimes people with limited experience or the wrong knowledge can kill it, like you say, yeah. because they don't understand it. Yeah, the, the, the best... I'll, I'll go back to calling it a joint venture with the landowner because mm, it sort easy. of ex- describes yeah. it. The best joint ventures with the landowner are done when the developer can talk directly with the landowner. Yes. As soon as you get piggy in the middle, particularly an agent. <laughs> piggy. piggy. When, okay. when you get piggy in the middle who's an agent, unless they've got a bit between the ears, mm. and I'm not going to be facetious. Oh, yet. don't you go there, Bob. You be but careful. unless they really understand developments and joint ventures... Uh, they're probably just going to be a hindrance. Yeah. All they can think of is just just sign a contract, you know, and there's a bit more to it than that. Um, And so, as I say, it it is a lot easier to have that conversation directly with the landowner. And some agents are fine by that. They can set up the meeting. They can attend the meeting. uh, And and that's where the deal's really done. And and certainly the, the landowner should take advice. They should take tax advice. They should take legal advice. That's important. Uh, but for, exactly what you said, from the right people, mm. those that are experienced. And that's what can often happen with a the landowner. They go to their accountant who just does tax returns, wouldn't have a clue. 
about mm. you know what's behind a joint venture and the structure. And because they don't want to seem like idiots, they'll probably talk them out of it. Mm. Uh, and and the same with a the lawyer. They might go to the family lawyer that does a bit of everything, a bit of an all-rounder. Uh, and, and Jack just, of all trades. The easiest thing for them to say is, no, don't do it mm. uh, because... They're they not liable if anything went wrong. Yeah, exactly. So they need to go to the right people. Uh, and independently, not necessarily your lawyer and your accountant, uh, because generally a lawyer or an, your lawyer or accountant won't really want to advise them, mm. not without a, uh, you know, quite a hefty sort of a disclaimer anyway. Bob, do you think we've covered it off pretty well? I think so. I mean, we've talked about the generalities of it. Yeah. Um, I, I think, you know, if, if you want a, a quick recap, yeah, let's they're recap. a great deal to do because you can do projects with little or no money of your own. Mm. The land needs to be low in debt or unencumbered and the landowner needs to become part of the deal. You need to, uh, from a quick structural point of view, the land stays in the landowner's name. You need a project management agreement. So take good advice from a good property accountant and a good property lawyer and uh, and you'll get there. Okay. If you're interested in joining us at our three upcoming uh, networking events, we have October is pretty jam-packed. We've got the, the 8th in Brisbane, we've got the 15th in Sydney, and we've got the 22nd in Melbourne. There will be links to low if you'd like to join us at those events. They go from 2.30 to 5.30 on those days, and then we stay around afterwards for some fabulous networking. We will be talking finance unpacked at, mm. at this networking event. The last one was joint ventures. This one will be finance, so come along. We Hot would love it. Hot topic. And then also on the 8th, the morning of the 8th, whether you're in, well, let's go Sydney time, it'll be daylight saving by then, Sydney time, 9 to 1 p.m., we have got our free masterclass where Bob takes you through the process of property development. If you're thinking about property development, if you'd like to know a little bit more about it, it is free, it is online, and we would love for you to join us there. And then lastly, crikey, it sounds like an advert. Uh, but lastly, we've got our... Is. Nothing wrong with that. <laughs> no, it's our podcast. It it's is. Anyway. Well, we've got our three-day workshop, and it's in the Gold Coast this year. It is live and in person. It is going to be epic. Mm. And we're having it Saturday, Sunday, Monday. The fourth, fifth, five, six, seven. Five, six. Oh, crikey, I'm going to get in trouble for getting that wrong. It yeah. is the fifth, sixth, seventh of November in the Gold Coast. We are starting at 10 a.m. on the first day for those that want to fly in on the first day. It will be amazing. Numbers are are clocking up pretty quickly. So if you yeah. are keen to join it's us... limited size venues. Yeah, so. it definitely is limited. So please, if you're interested, you can send me an email, admin at propertymastermind.com.au and we can talk about the options for you about coming. And if you've previously come along to one, you know you we offer uh, the repeat offender for those that have purchased our bundle in the past for only $395. So that's a, an amazing deal. I know, Crazy Bob rolls his eyes. He's like, oh my goodness. But anyway, it is, it is a, it's a great weekend. A tradition, it is. It is. <laughs> we would love for you to join us at all or some of those events. I know there's a few people coming to all. I think, so they should. I think Jeremy's coming to all. Is he? Oh, yeah, well, he he'll would. be coming to all. Yeah, he's a goer, Jeremy. He, he yeah, yeah. He's, a, he's one of those mentoring students we know is going to go places. And anyway, that's, that's the end of our podcast. Bob, thank you so much for just breaking that down into a really uh, simple way of hearing mm. uh, how do I structure a joint venture with a landowner. Uh, and we will see you next week for episode 67. Wow. Wow. Okay, thanks. See you. <laughs> see you, bye. Bye.